Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert Spiewak Bohorkas. I am part of the Nifty 2020 programming team. Um, and today, we are sitting down with the full crew behind the film The Other Side that is playing in our Palpable Performances screening this year. Um, and so to start things off, let's uh, let's go around. Everybody introduce yourselves, your role on the film. And uh, Josh, we'll start with you. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Josh Leon, and I am the writer-director of The Other Side. Thank you so much for having us here. Hey, everyone. My name is Sophia Vara. I'm one of the producers on The Other Side. Again, thank you, Robert, for having us. We're super excited to share a story. Yeah. Hey everyone, my name is Bam Nutt, you must get. I am the other producer on the other side. Hey, this is Tom Ingwersen, calling it from Germany. I'm the director of photography. Right on, well, thank you all. Yeah, thanks for so much for being here. Um, and so to start things off, why don't um, whoever would like to, maybe it's Josh probably, give us like a little bit of a description, summary, logline of the film for people listening that maybe haven't watched it yet? Absolutely, yeah. And so The Other Side is a narrative short film that was shot in Ethiopia and set against the ongoing orphan crisis. It's um, kind of based on the, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's inspired by a true story of an orphan boy that I met in the country in 2018 and essentially follows a story of two brothers faced with the reality of never being adopted. Yeah, and so um, to kind of just dive right in, you know, what took you to Ethiopia? If you want to give us a little bit of just, you know, where the process of finding the story and then, you know, decision to adapt it into a short film, you know, walk us through that kind of origin of the film. Absolutely. I think it, um, it started two years ago. Um, in 2018, I went on a mission trip to Ethiopia with my church. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of then that I first uh, really got exposed to the abandoned children crisis that is going on in Ethiopia, where more than five million children um, are orphaned. And I had spent a couple weeks in one of the boys' orphanages um, in Ethiopia, and I had met um, a 17-year-old boy named Abel. And at first, he was the only person I talked to because he, he spoke English. Um, but after a while, I started to get a l- to know him a little bit more, um, just understanding that when he turned 18, he was going to have to graduate that orphanage and kind of live out on the streets by himself. And he also had a younger brother still inside the orphanage that he was going to have to kind of leave behind when he left. And so that story really stuck with me for a long time after I I left. And that following year, I started my freshman year at NYU. And that's where I first met Tom and Sophia. Um, And I had been sitting on this idea for a while and I really felt like it was something, it was a story that that meant a lot to me. So I, I attempted to first kind of write a short script um, and in February of 2019, uh, we started thinking, hey, you know, this is something that we could actually probably get off the ground. That's where I, um, Sophia um, and I uh, first kind of connected to, to kind of get this thing off the ground. And um, the next step was kind of just getting connected with um, some Ethiopian producers or an Ethiopian kind of uh, side to this, especially since we were trying to produced a short from New York City. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we were introduced to to Bemnet. Um, and he was a referral from uh, a friend that we had um, back in DC, where I'm from. 
um, Orphan Care Ethiopia, um, the executive director, referred us over to wow. Bemnet, and that's kind of how we connected with the Ethiopian side of things. And Bemnet took point on kind of uh, organizing the Ethiopian production side. I'm sure you can tell you more about that later, but um, ultimately, it it meant that uh, we were able to travel back to Ethiopia in July of 2019. So one year after I had first visited those orphanages. And we were able to film on location in the same exact orphanages that I first visited in 2018. Um, wow. We actually reunited with the the real boy, um, the real Abel, and we got to meet all his friends, and we got to film inside the orphanages and stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. That's awesome. So, yeah, producers, I'm curious, you know, the process for um, I'm always curious about, you know, filming in other countries and coordinating all that and everything. And I think, you know, other filmmakers are listening to this that haven't done that. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, that process. What were some of the challenges? Like what were um, some of the things that even, you know, were easier than you thought they were going to be like, you know, collaborating on a production and organizational level sure i mean i i can start um i think the biggest challenge we faced was kind of like contingency planning you know we didn't really know what to expect uh once we got there obviously you know with Bennett's help we did know more or less but um we just tried to prepare for everything we had backup plans to so the backup plans like whether it was a schedule or you know the budget crew and stuff like that um i think communication was a little difficult in the sense that you know in ethiopia like they're so far ahead in time so we just had to like really find the balance between like our school and then its own like you know professional life like it was a matter of coordinating together and um finding the right time to talk um i think that those were like the biggest barriers um once we got to the country things were still like they didn't they went smoothly but there was you know we still had our, our typical production problems i think yeah. something we always talk about are um the weather problems we went right during rainy season and we had no idea what that meant <laughs> until we got there and realized you know if it rains in the morning it doesn't rain in the afternoon if it doesn't rain in the morning it rains in the afternoon um and it was always like a guessing game so all of like the pre-production planning for the schedule we had done up to that point kind of went out the window um so i think something that you know we definitely got out of it was you have to really like roll with the punches be adaptable um you know as much as like the technical stuff you know that we could talk on like talk about for hours i think (laughs) it came down to really like collaborating with one another um and just being open to to change you know so many things went wrong so many ups and downs um but we just had to you know, keep pushing forward, I guess. The, you know, the, the dynamic was interesting in the sense that when we first kicked off the project, right? So, the, you know, uh, Josh, um, Sophia and Tom were in the U.S. and I was in Ethiopia at the time. So, you know, even from the from the get-go, when I got the script, you know, we, we never had a sit-down, we never talked, but we, mm-hmm. we got on the phone and tried to figure out the vision that Josh had for it. And then kind of it was kind of off to the races in the sense of like doing everything remotely. Right. So it's it's like mm-hmm. doing the casting, the location and everything. And for the most part, like, you know, every, everybody involved in the U.S. side didn't really get a chance to to see locations until they actually came out for the shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was no uh, in-person scouting like, you know, so, uh, you know, we didn't have uh, 
a sound person on on each location to see if this is like feasible or you know it, it was really like it, it was it was the uh, kind of a, a, a run and gun situation when we started but there was a lot of planning that went into it as as much as possible that uh, that we could have done remotely and uh, and the other thing that I would say like kind of kudos to 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 both Josh and Sophia is that with with the script and some of the things that I saw culturally like that I gave feedback on, they were very quick to kind of adapt that and then change that as you may have gathered from my name. So I'm a native uh, Ethiopian born. Um, and so I was living there at the time and, and just, you know, I think understanding the challenges of how to pull off something like this in a country like Ethiopia is, is really hard to explain to somebody who's never been there or yeah. hasn't shot there. So it's, it was interesting. It was really interesting. Yeah, from a technical side, um, Tom, I'm curious, you know, planning for locations you haven't been to in person yet and having to, you know, ship gear, you know, what was that process for you like where I'm sure you had to, you know, choose which lenses you're going to go with and leave some things behind? Like, I'm curious what your process was <laughs> preparing for the shoot. Leave a lot of things behind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was interesting because um, obviously we did the short list. We talked about how it's supposed to look and everything. But at the end of the day, um, we had to take everything to Ethiopia, um, which is an interesting part in itself with um, with uh, what is it called? Sorry. Uh, what's the English word for it? If you get into a country customs, sorry. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting with uh, with customs and everything. But we, we didn't have too big of a budget, especially because we had to travel to Ethiopia. So it's only a camera. Um, two lenses and wow. um an led light so that that was um we basically decided we were going to shoot mostly um with natural light and just add to that basically um but we also wanted to have it as cinematic as possible through the camera so we actually chose to go with um, a black magic ursa mini pro and atlas anamorphic lenses which was the cheapest way for me to get a the most dynamic range and the most cinematic look of the bat. And then it was just up to us. Um, the first two days or three days, we actually um, drove to all the locations that were scouted. And the, the first couple of days, we drove to the, all the locations that were scouted and um, looked at all the ways we could shoot the scene, especially because of natural lighting. Um, and that really was a lot of discussion between me and Josh, um, what the location was supposed to look like, but also mm -hmm. what kind of light it could give us. So it was actually um, the first scene is shot in, everything was shot in the orphanage, but the first scene was shot in this big bedroom that we could shoot down and it had different um, windows that were painted in different colors. So that was the, the perfect location, honestly, to shoot that first shot because it gave so much depth, so much color and really showed off what we wanted to show um in ethiopia yeah yeah and i mean i think the 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 imagery both inside and outside in the film is um is just so striking i mean ethiopia is a beautiful country and so i, I feel like you know what what weren't what wouldn't have worked you know once you got there there's the big hillsides and everything so i mean it looks the film looks great um and so to talk a little bit about casting because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of children in the film there's the main roles um so I'm curious what that process was like. Was that all done remotely too? I think it was an interesting mix. Um, and yeah. it definitely speak to kind of, um, 
we had two actors that came from the U.S., um, but then everyone else was uh, casted locally in Ethiopia. Wow. And so I'll let Ben explain a little bit more about like local casting. But um, our our lead who played <laughs> Abel, um, his name is Ethan Harisi. He was in um, Ava DuVernay's uh, Emmy-winning Netflix series When They See Us that, mm-hmm. that had come out that uh, that May. And so mm-hmm. I was. It was very funny. I always remember. Um, he he was a really crazy like mutual friend connection um of sophia's roommate's friend from high school and it was it was it was it was a ridiculous coincidence of events sophia and i were watching like the the when they see us tra- uh, teaser when it come out like earlier that spring and it was like oh wouldn't it be funny if like that kid was in our movie <laughs> yeah yeah we ha- no i had met him before um i want to say like in October that year and you know I didn't even know who he was I was like oh like cool an actor and we joked about it I remember and then Grace was like you know he's my best friend Grace is my roommate Um, my roommate was like he's my best friend from home like I can totally ask him if he wants to jump on (laughs) Um, that's awesome and from there yeah I mean from there it was just a matter of you know he immediately was very like on board you know because it was a very exciting project a very touching story um and then it was just a matter of you know getting through to his agents and his manager, um, and that in itself we found ourselves like we found ourselves with one of those coincidences that like kept coming up throughout our entire like pre-production process. Um, his manager has like her best friend growing up has recently adopted two Ethiopian brothers. And to her, the story in itself was very personal. So she was able to like veto whatever the agents were, you know, concerned about, um, and really like jump on our side and you know support us from that end. I would say casting from uh, on the Ethiopian uh, side was very challenging. However, uh, and one of the reasons why it was challenging is this is an English movie, so English speaking world, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. first off, like when you look at the talent in the country. Um, it's not an English-speaking country, uh, you know. So, the actors that are in Ethiopia, for the most part, don't speak English. Uh, especially if you want them to deliver their lines clearly and to be able to get direction in English, mm-hmm. it's really, really challenging. So, one of the first things that that uh, I, I ran past uh, Josh was that I, for the um, one of the roles was uh, there's a female teacher who's like kind of uh, the voice of reason in the the main character's life. And uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who lives in Maryland, Ethiopian. Uh, she's actually like a Grammy-nominated singer. And I, I was like, hey, do you want to act? Because I think you'd be a good actor. And mm-hmm. it was like, a, you know, I, I just kind of knew that she had it. Like, she has that kind of presence and stuff like that. And she was like, well, let me read the script. And she read the script, and she texted me right away. And she says, absolutely. So I linked, that, linked her up with Josh and Sophia, and then... That was it. So uh, Wena uh, ended up be playing the role, and then the second part was like the Abel's younger brother, who is like we wanted to make sure that he was authentically Ethiopian, looked the part, like you know fit the you know, kind of the description of, of the type of kid that we wanted in the script. Um, that was extremely challenging. I think mm-hmm. I went through a casting of of a little over I don't know 120 kids. They wow. were just like. And they'd say, you know, here's the thing that they say, yeah, 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 I can speak English. And they'd come in and they're like, 
they couldn't read a word of English. Oh, and uh, it was it was just really challenging, you know, just people just want to act, but they don't, you know, they, they just, you know, it was really tough. But we got lucky um, kind of towards the end. We we found uh, we found somebody who we knew somebody who knew somebody uh, who uh, had a younger brother. And we we're like, hey, you'd be really good for this role. And uh, when we talked to him, he's like, "Absolutely, I definitely want to act." And then he did the reading, and he he blew he like he blew us away when we were there. Yeah. Like, and I, I texted Josh and Sophia right away. and said, I, th- "I think we found the guy. Like, we don't need to cast him." Anymore. Well, wasn't and that then, the last? Yeah, the last kid on like last day too. It was. <laughs> it really was. Like we had we we'd gone through our casting budget. Like we didn't have any more casting days left, and we had nobody. And then he was the last person that came in. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. I love I love stories like that where everything, you know, it's like it feels like it's meant to be. A couple more posts. Something else that I'm kind of curious about, um, and, you know, it's awesome we've got everybody here, but that means I think we get to talk about each question a little less because everybody has a lot to say. Um, but uh, I'm curious with the um, kind of the symbol of the orange soda in the film, and this is, uh, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, Josh, in writing this, what was the, um, was it always orange soda as kind of this this symbol of, of the literal other side, you know, getting a taste of, you know, not being in the orphanage? Or what did that, how did you settle on orange soda? It, it definitely, like, was, at first it, it was definitely certainly, like, inspired by um, the movie Lion mm. um, by with Dev Patel, Garth mm-hmm. Davis, um, where there's a scene where there's a, there's a, there's a, like a mentor lady kind of figure that offers the small boy, um, an orange soda, mm-hmm. um, which was, yes, representative of this, like, uh, taste of like the other world, this, this kind of little small luxury. And so that's, that's, I think how it, it started. And I think, um, it was used, it first showed up in that kind of therapy session scene that, that recurs throughout the film where she offers him this little taste of, of kind of life. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's, it's something, it's like a small pleasure that, that these kids like get to enjoy. And I think eventually it turned into something that really became reminiscent of uh, the brother's relationship. At yeah. the end of the movie, they share this orange soda um, as a kind of like a, a, a sign of, of brotherhood and, and and it also turns into the the exact kind of object that that Abel gets in trouble for, and so everything kind of revolves around this thing. But at the end, I think the most important thing is how um, that little taste of the world was the thing that tied the brothers together. Yeah, yeah, and I love that because I mean, it's also I think you know anybody who's was a child, which is everybody, um, you know, there's always kind of those simple creature comforts like that, where, you know, it's a soda or it's candy or something that is like the, oh, we're living large now. We've got, you know, it's Halloween right now. So I'm thinking about like trick or treating candy, but like, um, I I love that it's this kind of this great universal symbol of, you know, of, of luxury and, you know, mutual understanding between the brothers and also just like, you know, are they kids? Are they adults? You know, what, what are we fixated on about, you know, a goal that we're driving towards in the, in the film and the character's journey. 
Um, and so, yeah, as we're getting close to having to wrap up, one thing I want to make sure I give you all a chance to talk about um, is the actual like um, abandoned children crisis in Ethiopia. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about that, and then I know that um, I believe there's an organization on the other side that you know is also involved in the film. So um, if you all want to talk a little bit about both of the, both of those, just for everyone listening to be aware of. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to start. I think um, everyone kind of has a different little perspective on this, especially since that I think on the, especially the first couple of days and the last days that we were in Ethiopia, we were able to visit the orphanages themselves mm -hmm. um, and kind of see the kids there. And so I'm sure people have kind of stories there. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the abandoned children crisis is a current kind of um, issue that's, that's going on in Ethiopia right now, um, where over 5 million children are uh, considered vulnerable children, either living in the orphanages or on the streets. Um, and in Ethiopia, there's also a, a little bit of this uh, cultural stigma against um, domestic adoptions, um, in which adoption is not that common, and international adoption is actually currently banned. Wow. So um, someone in America cannot currently uh, go and adopt someone from Ethiopia. And that's due to a long history of kind of abuses and scandals in kind of the, the, the country's adoption history. And so it's kind of a unfortunate reality that a lot of kids grow up in right now. Um, it's, it's kind of driven by a bunch of factors um, in the HIV AIDS uh, epidemic, kind of just uh, poverty, um, the lack of female empowerment programs um, that contributes to this cycle um, and, and it is cyclical. So a lot of times kids coming through the orphanages end up living on the streets, having more kids that end up going back into the orphanages and the population just, it just continues. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of this really vicious cycle that, um, you know, is, is ongoing in that country. Um, and we are, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, we, we really do want to remind people that, Hey, this is a, this is inspired by a true story. There's a real boy named Abba that's going through this right now. Um, and I, you know, we, we actually still are lucky enough to still, talk with him sometimes over Facebook Messenger or something like that, um, just being able to converse and to understand this is A, this is real, and B, this is one of just five million stories out there um, in, in Ethiopia. And so I think we really want to leave audiences with an understanding of how this film fits into the world. Um, and then ultimately, yeah, we, we have several, uh, we worked with several partner organizations down there, one of them being um, this local NGO, uh, Orphan Care Ethiopia, um, that provides uh, in-country local support for both uh, private and government orphanages, um, providing mentorship programs uh, for graduating students, and just kind of supporting the general well-being of, of, of kids over there. And so that's one of the organizations that we are greatly indebted to, to kind of helping this be possible, but um, also something that that we really want to to uh, push with the release of this film, just being able to uh, make people aware of the crisis and, and point people to ways to actually have tangible help. I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, in Ethiopia, you know, the, the orphan crisis, you know, one of the things that, you know, just the, the some of the truths behind it, because sometimes people only see the fact that Ethiopia shut down, like, foreign adoption but there was a lot of abuses and like you know allegations of like you know uh, uh human trafficking mm -hmm. by like you know bad players overseas and stuff like that so they 
they used legal adoption as a form of like, you know, getting people to Europe and stuff like that. So it was really hard for the government to vet, you know, like uh, the bad players from the good ones. So there was there was basically like trying to safeguard Ethiopian kids by shutting down foreign adoptions. But that also prevented people who really wanted to adopt kids and wanted a better life for kids mm -hmm. uh, to go overseas. And then, you know, the 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 ones that get hurt are the ones that left that are left behind and and abel is just one of like five million as as josh mm -hmm. said and um their their realities is so it's it's you know you'll never know what they go through unless like you live with them unless you stay with them and and i think unless you create narrative formats where it gives you insight into the day-to-day -day life of those types of kids like you, you you probably will never be exposed to to the reality of mm -hmm. what they go through so it's 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 really like a I think it's in in a sense it really is. Uh, uh, it serves almost the purpose of like informing as well as entertaining, you know. Yeah, I I have to completely agree with them that um, especially with that last bit, something that you know we always point people towards. You know, bring awareness is not just watching the movie for us. It means you know, like we've been saying, learning about it, read about it, but also become involved um, in the sense that you know, supporting local organizations like Orphan Care Ethiopia is a first step. And we always say, you know, like right now is not the best time to do this, but there's nothing like going there and actually visiting um, these orphanages and lending a hand in person. Um, mm. There's nothing like the physical support of a brother or a sister that's there to, you know, to help through, right? Um, mm. Obviously, Now's not the time. <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> but um, when the time is right, we always encourage people to visit the country. Um, not only do you get to help, but you also get to learn from a beautiful culture, from beautiful people. Yep. The way, you know, I, I would love to say that I think the way Tom shot this film, like really like made Ethiopia, it, it even though there was grit, it really was beautiful. Like, you know, really, I think, especially when you see the landscape shots and, and the long shots and stuff like that, I think he did such a great job with making sure. And by the way, there's no set design, right? So we shot all of this stuff hmm. on location. So, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was like really trying to find like the best shot that, to tell that story for each scene. Um, and I think he did a fantastic job. And, and some of, you know, he also, you know, like came back with some battle wounds from, uh, <laughs> from a, an action <laughs> shot that he did. So we, we feel like Tom is kind of, you know, forever a part of Ethiopia, a little bit. <laughs> action shots, battle wounds. Let's say running scene in an um, Ethiopian market with no real safety net might not be the, the best idea on the first day. <laughs> day one, wow, wow, wow. On the first day. <laughs> Awesome. Um, well, as we're um, get close to wrapping up with y'all, um, you know, if we could go around the horn, you know, what are people working on now um, that you can tell people more about for folks that see the other side and want to keep up with y'all? You know, what's uh, what's in the works? If you can tell us anything. Totally. I mean, <laughs> I I can start. I guess um, we are currently working on its on the sh shorts feature development. Still very early in the process, but right now um, we're gearing towards its release. So we encourage everyone to keep up with our news and you know all the updates on and events surrounded around the online release um, on our Instagram page. <laughs> and um, beyond that, you know we are working also on a documentary series that's outside of this with Josh and I. 
Um, I don't know, Josh, you want to talk about it? <laughs> or anything else? Yeah, certainly. Um, to follow along this project in particular, um, you can find us on Instagram at the other side film 2020 um, and www.theothersideshortfilm.com. Those would be your uh, top places to kind of figure out when this thing releases and kind of our impact campaign surrounding how we really want to engage audience members to really uh, make a difference in the crisis as well. Um, like Sophia said, we are kind of working on a, uh, a feature film that is an expansion of this story. I think we, we knew pretty early on that the short was too small really to, to mm-hmm. you know, capture the real scale of this crisis and really the depth of what these kids go through. Um, so that's something that we are always actively looking for uh, you know, partners or financiers or anybody out there that happens to be listening to this. Um, we encourage you to reach out. Um, and yeah, you can follow me at, at Josh underscore Leon. Um, I always put stuff there. Uh, I'm currently working on shooting a short film in Berlin. If COVID allows it, I've, I've written it. It's about moving on or um, remembering a dead loved one. Um, and then I'm also in kind of the same vein, um, finishing up my first feature film script um, set in Austria. I'm nearly done with that. And I hope to shoot it or produce it soon. Awesome. Um, I actually have, as of March, I started a full-time gig. So I'm actually a creative director as well. So my background is design. So I actually work at Discord as a creative director for all the like branded content. Hmm. However, in the background, I'm still like actively like uh, um, kind of making uh, films and short films. Uh, recently, I wrote and completed two short films, and have I've been developing like a mini series for like three or four years. So that has been a, kind of an ongoing thing. I'm hoping to shoot the short in the next month or so. Uh, I'd love to get Tom to come shoot it out here in San Francisco if he's willing to. Um, yes. But like, uh, yeah, I also, you know, sadly, like this earlier this year, I was supposed to do a full feature documentary and we were in negotiations with a production company in L.A. It, I had done a mini version of it. It was like a 12 minute long version of it. It's based on the skateboarding scene in Ethiopia mm-hmm. that I had, uh, like, you know, done, done the concept notes and and directed and produced and so I'm hoping that as soon as COVID kind of eases up a little bit, I'm going to go back to Ethiopia to, to complete the, the feature documentary. But um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like constantly like, I have a, I have a hard time not making stuff. So like, I'm yeah. always like too busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but awesome. you can follow me at, uh, at Oh My Bem with an M, Bem, or you can check out some of the work that I've done at, uh, thebem.net well it's glad that y'all are keeping busy um we're excited to see more stuff from from each every each and every one of you thank you so much for uh taking some time to talk to us more about the other side thank you so much for submitting it we're so glad we were able to include it in the festival this year thank you Thanks so thank much you. for having thank us you so much thank for you. Having yeah us. really appreciate it yeah, yeah. And thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2020, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY, or on Instagram at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts from Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts, or follow us on social media at Partyfish Media.
Partyfish Media. Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.